The Sage Aging Podcast is brought to you by Polk Elder Care Guide, your guide to all things senior care and resources. Find the 2021 guide in English and Spanish at polkeldercare.com. Welcome to the Sage Aging Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Craven. Sage Aging will connect you to information and resources you need to navigate the aging and caregiving journey. I'll bring you education, inspiration, amazing industry guests, and caregiver spotlights to shed some light on the topics of aging. Information and resources can be so hard to find if you don't know where to look, but don't worry, we've got you covered. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and relax as we chat. Are you ready? Hit subscribe now, and let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Sage Aging Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 7. Being a caregiver is a really big job and one that most of us are not really prepared for. Every caregiver experience is unique because every person's needs are different. Having said that, there are lots of things that most caregivers have in common, not the least of which is feeling isolated. As a caregiver, have you ever felt isolated and alone? Well, I'm going to venture to guess that if you're a caregiver, the answer to that is a resounding yes. Have you ever wished that you could just find a way to connect with other caregivers and resources to help you along your own caregiving journey? Well, if this sounds familiar, you're not alone and you're in the right place. We often talk about isolation as it relates to our aging loved ones, but would it surprise you to learn that the problem is almost as prevalent among caregivers? If you're a caregiver, I know that you're saying I'm crazy, and of course not. We know that that's a problem among caregivers, right? The ability to connect to resources and information is an important part of creating a caregiving experience, a good one. There are lots of ways to do that. Listening to podcasts like this is one of them. And in the last episode, I introduced you to Nancy Myers and the accountability app that focuses on securely keeping track of all the medical and financial pieces that go along with caring. Today, we're going to shift our focus a bit to the needs of the caregiver. We'll talk about why it's important to connect and stay connected to resources and other caregivers. And we're going to turn you on to another amazing app. My guest today is Rashawn Dindiel, and gosh, Rashawn, I hope I pronounced that right, (laughs) founder of the Memories Mobile Caregiver app. As is the case with so many of my guests, a personal experience with an aging loved one inspired Rashawn to create a solution for the problem that his family was facing. There's so much more to Rashawn than a quick intro can do justice to, but we're going to learn more about that in just a minute. To learn more about Rashawn, check out the blog post for Season 2, Episode 7 at sageaging.com, or you can find a link in the show notes in your favorite podcast app. Welcome to the show, Rashawn. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me, and you absolutely pronounced my name right, which is fantastic. (laughs) Right. That's a good one. I was, I meant to ask you in our conversation before we got started and I thought, well, I'm just going to have to go with it here. (laughs) You ran with it and you crushed it. I I couldn't be happy to be here. 
Well, Rashawn, you are quite an impressive person, and I have thoroughly enjoyed learning about you and all that you're doing as I've prepared for this episode. And as I mentioned in the introduction, your own caregiving experience was the catalyst for the creation of this app, but your educational pursuits have also played a role, haven't they? They absolutely have. I think uh, a lot of my experience as a caregiver for my grandfather, along with my mother, sort of exposed me to the needs that caregivers have and the gaps in their tools and resources. And then that actually supported my interest in medicine and then pushed me into actually making a difference and leveraging some business expertise to get into business school. And so I think the caregiving experience I have actually curated the educational experience that's really shaping my future right now. That's really amazing. I love that. There's nothing better. You've heard that saying before, if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Absolutely. Well, tell me more about you and your own situation. Sure. So my grandfather, he was diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment when I was in my teen years. Prior to that, and and currently he lives with nearly 10 chronic diseases, the whole range of Crohn's through sarcoidosis and other things. And his uh, medication management has always been a little bit difficult. And then coupled with some cognitive impairment and the the burden of his diseases, it really took a, a huge toll on him. He started to decline and needs a lot of support with medication management. However, a lot of the largest changes that we saw with him actually came towards behavior. His personality did start to change quite a bit, almost leading somewhere towards the uh, frontotemporal dementia side of things. Because of that, caregiving for him became a little bit difficult. He definitely wanted to maintain his independence, but there would be random outbursts of like inappropriate things said to my mom or Mm -hmm. things similar. And given the strain that she had of raising and taking care of a family, working full time, and then providing care and support for my grandfather, these sort of situations situations would lead to a lot of stress. Um, And that created a little bit of a tough spot in our family in that relationship with my grandfather wanting to maintain independence, but us also trying to walk on a a sort of a tightrope around him in certain situations so that we wouldn't create any sort of additional burden. And managing that relationship was something that really created a large impact in me and understanding sort of the empathy that's needed in caregiving to understand one, the stressful situation that my grandfather's having, but two, the toll that it can take on a caregiver and a loved one. And seeing how the experiences aged my mom and myself was definitely something that I wanted to make an impact in or at least be able to support. And then given the fact that my grandfather does live away from home and there's a distance, I really believe that technology or some sort of innovation would be able to be there to support us so that we would have some transparency into how his day is doing without having to call his home phone or his cell phone, which he had prior to be able to get a hold of him. So those sort of experiences led me post my undergraduate career to get some technology experience. That sort of started a whole snowball effect of me working in tech, me exploring health tech, and then finally moving into starting my own company and then trying to merge healthcare and business on the education side. Merging healthcare and business, that is a big job, but gosh, so important. I think a lot of times people don't connect the two. Knowing that you're out there doing that makes me very happy because the more that we embrace technology and all that it can bring in every single life situation, the better we can get a handle on situations like these, not only caring for an aging loved one, but caring for a disabled child or caring for a spouse who has had some type of debilitating illness. So love the direction you're taking with this. 
Uh, I appreciate you bringing that up as well, because it's something that I really believe in. And we've actually received numerous requests for sort of out of current domain applications of memories outside of dementia care, folks reaching out for traumatic brain injury care, people rehabilitating from, let's say, a, a hip injury or things similar, as well as behavioral support for folks living uh, and children living with debil- debilitating diseases. So I think the caregiver burden can be universal. I agree with that completely. I think there are a lot of things that caregivers have in common. First of all, over that's probably at the top of the list. Every caregiver is overwhelmed in some way. And this is a good point to talk about the different types of caregivers that there are, because not all caregivers are hands-on caregivers. You also have those who are handling the administrative side of caregiving, making sure that the appointments are scheduled and that the transportation is taken care of and the meds are managed and the meals are taken care of and things like that, but not necessarily in the home with the person. But there are those who are providing that hands-on care. And all of them, almost all of them, tend to have others that they're caring for. As a matter of fact, The latest statistic that I've seen from the AARP report last year was that 24% of caregivers are caring for more than one person at a time, and 61% of caregivers are still working while they're providing care. And so that leads to the topic that I really wanted to dig into a little bit today, and that's caregiver isolation. Having to shoulder all of that responsibility can leave a person feeling very alone in their endeavors. I absolutely agree. And I'm glad that we're moving in this direction because I think it's not always a conversation that's brought up, especially given the current situation with the pandemic accelerating the separation of folks from their loved ones, especially an aging population and having homes isolated. The caregiver isolation and stress has only been exacerbated during this time. That is so true. And it has created a lot of a lot of logistical issues that weren't there before to further burden caregivers. And I hate to use that word burden because as a caregiver myself, I never considered it a burden mm-hmm. to care for my parents. It was just something that was there. But there were a lot of tasks that did become overwhelming because of it. But, you know, that's just kind of where caregivers are. They have a lot of responsibilities on their shoulders. And so how do you feel about that as it relates to the importance of building a support community? How does one even begin to do that? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think if we, we take a step back and we sort of look at isolation and and what that means for caregivers, it's usually at the point of diagnosis, it's an overwhelming, to use your word from earlier, sort of experience where you may have a suspicion that something may be going wrong with your loved one, you receive the formal diagnosis, and then you're sort of shouldered with all of these things that are about to immediately change in your life. And that leads to the financial strain, the physical strain of actual care, and the, the mental strain. I think that Usually there's a couple phases that happens at that point of diagnosis. The first one is a knowledge gathering phase where individuals try to find as much information as they can, whether that's from Alzheimer's disease.net, whether that's from the AARP or other resources, just to be able to get a bearing and be like, okay, this is what my loved one is dealing with. I have somewhat of an understanding. 
Then there's the resource gathering phase where folks are looking for ways to make their home more accessible, things that they may need to be able to support their care for their loved one if they are staying at home. And then finally, trying to fit in the finances, as you mentioned, and the work schedule. How am I going to be able to afford this? Do I need to get somebody to come in and take care of my loved one? Can I take off work? What will the post-work schedule look like for me? Because usually these diagnoses, they don't necessarily happen in a vacuum, but they can be somewhat out of the blue, especially for earlier ages of diagnosis. So those three things happen relatively quickly, and that in itself can be overwhelming. However, what's often missed is the fourth step here, which is how do I mentally prepare for this relationship change that I'm going to have with my loved one? What support system do I have in place? And sort of who is that comprised of? And if I don't have one, where can I turn to? What are other people in my position doing? Those sort of questions really take a moment of reflection to be able to have answers to. And unfortunately, caregivers in this initial phase don't even have that time to be able to reflect. And then as the experience of caregiving and these tasks continue to add on to their schedule, there's less and less time made for these reflective exercises and identifying the network, which will only further the isolation. I couldn't agree with that more. It is crazy when you're in the midst of it. And you know that from your experience, you just are day to day trying to get it all done and trying to be as effective as possible. And I don't know, I think those are the types of things that we say, oh, I can do that tomorrow. That's Mm -hmm. not an emergent need. And I'm going to put that off. But it probably is the most vital piece of your caregiver experience creating that support community for yourself. So who are the types of people that would make up a support community or another term for that might be care team? There can be some variability into actually who makes this up because some folks are blessed where they have a large family where they could have many siblings or some close family, whether that's cousins or aunts or uncles or things similar. And that could be a very family-based care team. And there is an easier understanding of what the diagnosis is and how to manage it within the family. And that's sort of handled quite well. However, I will say that is also very region and culture specific because there are a lot of South Asian uh, communities where any illness that is affecting cognition or even mental illness is usually met with a lot of stigma. And some of these Mm -hmm. diagnoses, even within the family, can be quite destabilizing and isolating. So that unit may not actually be present. It's a huge area of research that needs more exploration. But outside of that family dynamic, then if you are lucky to have a large social support network, then you have the opportunity to reach out to some of your friends or perhaps a local caregiver community that you may have been exposed to by the physician team at the point of diagnosis, whether they say, okay, there are these local resources. This is the caregiver group that meets at this office every Tuesday, for example. Then that may be your support group and you can lean on each other to help out with various tasks. Otherwise, if neither of those options are available or if perhaps you are just a bit overwhelmed with this situation and you don't feel comfortable talking to other people yet or reaching out, then you may be in a position where you don't have a care team established right from the beginning. And unless steps are taken or resources are introduced, you may uh, end up doing a lot of this alone. Mm -hmm. That is the importance of the virtual option as well. And we're going to get more into your app in a bit. But I think that one thing COVID taught us was that the online world is quite small. And that finding connections there that are very valuable 
is not too hard. And those who have embraced the technology and embraced that type of communication and that type of support network, I think are doing quite well as it relates to dealing with their day-to-day and getting quick answers to questions that they have. But there are those who are not comfortable on social media who aren't going to go there. And so apps like yours are definitely going to be a big part of filling in the gap. I appreciate that. And I think that's something that we tried to do in designing our application. If if you look at current sort of online support groups, there are numerous on Facebook or communities where there's tens of thousands of individuals that are there. However, in groups like that or things similar to Reddit threads, there isn't as much moderation and folks are able to sort of build off of each other, whether that's a negative emotion or positive. Mm-hmm. However, overwhelmingly, folks will be looking to support for a negative experience and are looking for commiseration, which isn't necessarily solution oriented. And I think there are times where folks would benefit more from online groups that actually provide support messages that are ways to sort of, I understand how you're feeling. This is how we're going to move forward instead of, I understand how you're feeling and let the situation rest there. I, I think that's a productive way to move conversations forward. So sort of directed support groups like what we're building at Memories are, are, are quite helpful, I believe. I also think that there is a disconnect between social media users and traditional Facebook or other caregiver group, especially those that used to be in person. And that is there is a little bit of an age skew. And there are lot more and more younger caregivers that are either assisting their primary um, caregiver, whether that's a parent and supporting their loved one, or themselves are experiencing an earlier diagnosis, whether that's early onset Alzheimer's disease or just cognitive impairment being diagnosed early and earlier. And these individuals are turning to social media because it's a platform that they're more aware of, but are using it more to demonstrate their experience and less to reach out to other individuals who are experiencing something similar. So I don't think any solution out there right now is perfect. I think being able to bridge the gap and combining these two communities will be essential. I think our application is a start. I really hope that our application isn't the only one that's doing this. I think that in a space like this where caregivers are so in need of support, there can be 50 applications out there or 50 solutions and that'll only push the competition to be better and better for the caregivers themselves. 100%. And we've been talking to other app creators and I I agree with you so much. Not one of you is the same. And each one, I ally, for example, they are more skewed to the millennial generation and really needing to talk it out. You know, come on, let's talk it out together and mental health focused, which is great. I love what they're doing. They're amazing folks and so happy to see all that they're creating. And then last week we talked to Nancy Myers with the accountability app, and she's really primarily looking at just keeping those documents secure and making sure the people who need access to them are going to have them and connecting people in that way and helping caregivers to make sure that the liability that they're carrying will not get them in trouble down the road by doing things the right way. And then here you are, and I love what you're building with your app. So let's talk more about that. I want to hear about Iris, and I want to hear about your reminder system and your mood tracker and all of these cool things that you're building into memories. 
Absolutely. And I appreciate you um, bringing that up in the conversation. Oftentimes, I find myself forgetting that we are building a mobile application because I really see memories as a company that represents caregivers and any way that we can do that, whether that's through our technology or whether that's through our social media or just lending them a voice by doing interviews or something similar. I, I think it's so multifaceted. However, we do have a mobile application that I would love for people to use. <laughs> so memories is that application and you can download it on the Apple Store or the Play Store. But at its crux, it has three main features right now, and that is task reminders, daily mood tracking, and a caregiver support group centered around our chatbot Iris. For the task reminders, we've set up this system where you are able to send yourself or your loved one a reminder for anything that could be medication reminders, whether that's reminding you to take something out of the oven, whether that's scheduling in a self-care moment for yourself in the day. And we'll send a reminder 15 minutes before at the time of the event. And if you missed it. And if your loved one has missed an event, then you get a notification directly to your phone. And what I'm describing here is the opportunity for you to use the memories application yourself as a caregiver, or if your loved one still has the ability to interact with smart technology, whether that's their phone or an iPad, they have the ability to have a memories interface for themselves as well. And they can connect to you and all of the tasks that you're able to do or schedule, you can send to their device and vice versa. So at the earlier stages of diagnosis, we do hope this can be a tool that is able to support both parties. However, as the cognitive decline progresses, this is going to be a tool primarily for caregivers. So the reminder system may be directly for the things that I've mentioned. And we have mood tracking built in, and we actually reach out in the evenings at 6 p.m., and we may actually increase the frequency of that to sort of ask you how you're feeling and for you to identify that mood that you are feeling, whether that's happy, excited, resilient, sad, stressed, anxious, or anything in between. Identify that, write a little note about what made you feel that way, and then store that information. And we hope that outside of the prompts that we send you to check in, you start checking in at different points in your day so that we want to keep this as a catalog for you to be able to see, okay, this has been a particularly fantastic week for me. I've been happy 75% of the time. A lot of the reasons why has been I've been having a lot of wins with the person I'm taking care of. Or you could notice that maybe between Wednesdays from 3 to 5 p.m. consistently, I'm feeling a little sad. What's something in my life that I can do to address this or what's happening there? We want to provide as much sort of mood visualization for you because numerous reports are indicating that the rates of caregiver depression, especially for those taking care of loved ones living with dementia, is between 40 to 70%. And some of the reasons for that isn't because caregiving itself lends to depression. It's that the actual physical and mental strain really burns out an individual, and that'll manifest with depressive symptoms coupled with the isolation. So we're trying to tackle that with the mood tracking. And then finally, to tackle the isolation, we're using our chatbot Iris to create a caregiver support community really based around anecdotal messages, where you as a caregiver can log in, identify what you need support with, whether that's a quick activity to do with your loved one, whether that's a recipe idea, whether that's ways to connect with your friends or a self-care routine, you can click into the application and you'll see a suggestion from another caregiver in the community. Let's say caregiver Maria recommends taking a 15-minute salt water bath to relax at the end of the day. That's something that you may see from somebody. You have the opportunity to try that out and then incorporate their suggestions into your routine. And then to give back into the community, we'll ask you a question. What's something that you do when you're feeling anxious? You provide an answer and that goes out there. And so through that, we're really hoping to foster this caregiver to caregiver support network without having to build a messaging system within an application, without you having to maintain social relationships. We think the best way to do that is actually to share support. 
And that's the crux of what our application is doing right now. I really like that component of it. And by the way, Iris is so cute. I love the oh, icon thank you. that you have for Iris. She's adorable. Thank but you. I I really love the fact that people can plug into things that they need without having to, like you said, build the relationship. Now, I don't want people to misunderstand what I'm saying. Relationships are super, super important. You need them. You need a support community. You need a care community that's going to help you along the way. However, sometimes you're just looking for an answer to a question and Google's not providing your answer because it comes back with 50 pages you need to look at. I love the fact that you can go in and ask a quick question and find from within that community a quick answer without having to go back and forth with a conversation. That's really an important piece, I believe, because part of the problem that caregivers have is asking for help. They, number one, don't want to burden somebody else. And secondly, they don't have the time to facilitate the conversation that asking for help is going to take. Absolutely. I I agree. And I think that the current search networks, like you mentioned with Google, it's just too cumbersome to navigate through 50 pages. And maybe you did have only five minutes to find an answer and your time has been spent just searching and you haven't been able to get a solution. I also agree that what we do want to continue to build within the application is a support system that doesn't necessarily need to be chat-based. We would love as folks and continue to add support messages to the caregiver community and we build out the robustness of the application. You have the opportunity to save messages from caregivers, identify who um, some of your favorite caregivers are, send support messages out to them when they do check into the application, sending a congratulations on your day if you see they've identified a happy mood or something similar and be able to foster that community there without having to create this conversational system within the application, have you be sort of glued to your phone to respond to messages and then actually dilute the experience. So I think there is a way to create social support outside of the traditional means that have been explored. And we're using these anecdotal support messages as sort of a kicking off point. Do you also incorporate Facebook groups or any other platforms that integrate with your app? We don't. And I don't think that's a direction that we will be going into. What I I think that is more important for us in terms of integration is using other services. Like you've mentioned, applications like accountability and others to be able to have this be the one-stop shop in terms of being able to, whether you're tracking any information on your loved one, whether you have any sort of gate tracker or whether they're staying in their um, area at home, if they are compliant with their medications, if they have their finances taken care of and et cetera plus the social support you're getting from memories, all of those things you want to bake into it. But what I really would like to not happen is to replicate different experiences within the same application. Because I think if you have a chat messaging system on Facebook, you have an Instagram group on that platform, and you have another chat-based group on memories, or there's an amalgamation of the three, it can be overwhelming. Who do I reply to at what time? Which service am I actually using at the right moment? And those sort of questions are things we don't want to introduce into their life. The less confusing, the better. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's sort of how we designed this application as well to be like, it's incredibly tech advanced on the back end, but we wanted to distill each page to its most simple components to not distract, not to have any ads in the application at all. Just so when you go into the application and you have a minute, you know exactly what to do. So when somebody says, I'm going to use this app, what would you say is the biggest reason for them to jump on and use memories? I think that's a great question. 
I think the biggest reason is that they're just looking for a little extra help. I think whether maybe they're using paper reminders to be able to schedule their activities, perhaps they've missed a couple tasks in their day and they're like, well, I can't have this happen anymore, or they're feeling a little alone. I think all of those reasons are reasons that they need help or some sort of solution introduced in their life. So if you're feeling that your current responsibilities are taking a little bit of a toll on you and you would love support, look at memories as an option that can help you. One thing I failed to ask you while we were talking about this app is keeping family in the loop. Does your application facilitate for keeping other family members informed? That is our most number one requested feature, and it's something that we're working on consistently on the back end. I think that it, it does not currently support that, given the robustness of what that feature means, because when you incorporate a family member and multiple caregivers into any sort of tracking situation, it can be confusing as to who is taking care of what reminder, which mood has been identified for who, or different access points in the application. And especially if you're connecting to a loved one, we don't want to have any confusion there. So it's something that we're actually really working on on the back end to create sort of an innovative approach, whether that's a different app experience for each individual or a different interface for each individual. That's what we're working on, but it absolutely is something that needs to be done and something that will be introduced at some point. Wonderful. What other things are on your wish list? Well, that's a great question. And if you don't want to give away the secrets, it's okay. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no, no. I'm a huge secret share. We actually built on our website this page called the Vivid Vision recently, and it's our outlook into 2024. So it actually outlines all of our secrets and where we would like to see the caregiving industry go to. Ultimately, what I'd like to see is the leveraging the increase in um, internet connectivity with 5G and the opportunity for more internet-enabled devices where memories is just limited to your phone. When you hop into your car at the end of the day, your smart system is able to greet you with the memories interface, letting you know some of the updates your loved one has. When you get home, your fridge is able to tell you, okay, it's actually time to warm up this meal that you reminded memories to do. Prepare this for your loved one. By the time you settle down to your laptop, you're reminded that it's time to do a weekly burnout questionnaire from memories and to track your mood. And then finally, when you're about to go to bed, your Apple Watch or your smartwatch reminds you to send a good morning message to your loved one um, and to reach out to your caregiving community. All of these wow. things built. That's the idea for me in the future where I think I it's love it. <laughs> That's really exciting. I'm excited hearing that. You said something within there that was very interesting to me, and that was fill out a burnout questionnaire. Yep. What is that? That sounds good. Well, thank you. But it's actually something that we have cooking on the back end for us. So one of the things that we want to do with the mood tracking is one, provide you as much visualization to the trends that you um, are actually experiencing. But we want to go one step further and being able to show you, okay, um, based on this mood reporting that you're providing, here's a standardized metric that other organizations or healthcare teams are using to track burnout. We are incorporating that into the application. Here's your report on how you're feeling. You're trending towards burnout or currently you're experiencing it, whatever the definition of burnout is that we're using or that you define for yourself. This is what you're experiencing. We would like you to be aware of it so that you are charged with this information and perhaps that prompts you to reach out to a mental health provider or look mm -hmm. at a way to actually incorporate more resources into your care. We just don't want there to ever be a time where you've been going and going and going for three months and within that period have no idea how you got to the point of where you feel currently. That's brilliant. Love it. I love everything that you're doing. Oh. Well, 
Really quick, before we finish, I wanted to mention our listeners to visit your website because you've got some fantastic videos there or that they might be on YouTube, but I think they link from your site. Fantastic. Go take a look at the caregiver videos that Rashawn and his team have put online because if you're feeling alone and if you're feeling a little overwhelmed by your situation, just hearing somebody else who's going through it and getting to hear their story and how they went from overwhelmed to feeling great about their current situation, all of it, it's really great. So thank you for posting those. Is there one of those stories that stands out most for you? Thank you for bringing that up. It's actually been a recent addition to our website where we had our caregiver interviews on YouTube and we totally did a terrible job of representing what we do as a company. As I mentioned earlier, we're really a platform that's supporting caregivers outside of just a mobile application. So we wanted this to be at the forefront. I think we have over 40 YouTube interviews now done, and we're continuing to do caregiver interviews, maybe three to five every week. So I totally agree with that. I absolutely cannot say if I have a favorite (laughs) interview (laughs) or or not, but I do watch all of the interviews. I did the majority of the beginning ones. And then what we actually do as a team, something I've built into the company is it's almost a mandatory part of orientation to do a caregiver interview yourself, because I think that is a really humbling experience for somebody who's joining the team to understand what we're actually doing and why we're supporting these individuals and why everything that we do is so care oriented and we want to incorporate caregivers into all of our decision making. So I'm glad that you've seen some of those videos. I hope the listeners who are listening to this have the opportunity to check them out, maybe reach out to any of these individuals. They're all on Instagram or other social media, and it will never hurt to let an individual know that you resonated with their story. You may feel something similar and keep going. Oh, that's great. Well, how can people be a part of what you're doing? You mentioned that they can use the app. Now, is that a free or a fee-based? Absolutely. So we're a free application and you can check us out at memories.co, M-E-M-O-R-Y-Z.co. And you can download our application from the Apple Store or the Play Store. So our app is free. It'll continue to be for the next little bit as we, this current version of our application, before we built in features like app integrations and other things, we're hoping to keep our application free. So feel free to go ahead and use it. And there are no ads and we don't want to clutter that experience. The other ways that you can actually join us is to follow us on our social media, to book some time with me on my calendar. The direct link to my calendar is on the website under chat with our founder, because what we're actually looking to build as well is an ambassador program, where if there are caregivers or folks who would love to be able to help us spread the word of memories to maybe reach out to caregiver communities themselves and share their experience, or to just have a larger audience for what it is that we're doing, we want to use all of our resources at our disposal to support you. So if you're interested in anything similar outside of our using application, send me an email, sign up to our newsletter, reach out on Instagram. Any of those ways, we'll be able to get in touch with you and help you out. Wonderful. And I will provide links to all of that in the blog post for this episode, which is season two, episode seven. You'll find that at sageaging.com. Or you can find it via a link in the show notes, which you'll find in your favorite podcast app. Well, uh, the last question, my favorite question of every interview, do you have one piece of sage advice you'd like to leave our listeners with? Hmm. I think I'll, I'll say advice that I wish I got. And that's, there's no room for pride in this equation. I think for somebody like me who wanted to maintain, especially externally, that I am always doing okay with my caregiver responsibilities, that I can handle all the stress in front of me. And that was a really isolating and debilitating mindset to have. I think 
realizing right from the get-go that this is going to be overwhelming and there are people who are also overwhelmed, reach out as early as possible. Understand that caregiving is a collective exercise and that people want to support each other. So be as early and prompt in identifying how you're feeling. And I think you'll only benefit from that. Very good advice. Love it. Well, thank you, Rashawn, so much for taking time to share with us today. And gosh, I wish you so much success with this app. And I hope that you'll come back down the road. I'd love to see where this is a year from now. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Liz. I would love to. I think you're doing a fantastic job with this platform and this podcast. And I hope all of your listeners realize the the work that you're putting into this and the value that this is providing. So thank you so much for having us. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. And thank all of you for listening. As a caregiver, it is really easy to get lost in all of the responsibilities of taking care of others. And as we've discussed today, it's very easy to feel alone in that endeavor. But staying connected to others, staying connected to your support community, to other caregivers and the resources that are available to you is a super important part of the equation. And I hope that you'll take the time to make sure that that's happening in your own situation. We don't want to see you run the risk of burning out and becoming ill and needing care yourself. So it's super important, whether it's through the Memories app or through all of the other wonderful things that are available to you, including this podcast and Elder Care Guide. We hope that you'll stay connected. Are you enjoying the Sage Aging podcast? Well, I sure hope so. I'm loving the feedback that I'm getting from all of you. Keep it coming and keep those suggestions rolling in. I appreciate you so much. Let's connect on social media. You can find Sage Aging on Instagram and Facebook, and you can find me, Liz Craven, on LinkedIn. And I think I've reminded you of this before, but you know you can get the Sage Aging podcast sent straight to your inbox each week. It's very easy to do. Simply go to sageaging.com, scroll all the way to the bottom of the page, and you can subscribe there. Season two is absolutely packed with great content, so be sure to subscribe. We don't want you to miss a thing. Thanks again for spending some time with me today. I sure do appreciate you all, and we will talk real soon. Mm -hmm.